Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. NFL Week 11 winds up tonight. Chiefs Chargers in Mexico City. Patrick Mahomes is back from his knee injury. Last week he did put up big numbers, but the Chiefs still lost to Tennessee. And they have dropped four of their last six overall. The Chargers, of course, still led by the NC State legend Phillip Rivers, who going into the weekend led the NFL in passing yards. The Chargers' longtime holdout running back, Melvin Gordon, actually looked good last week, maybe finally hitting his stride after his return. Of course, Colin Kaepernick has gotten a lot of votes in a lot of contexts, many voting the NFL and or Colin Kaepernick worst of the weekend. After their workout in Atlanta went awry, it did happen on Kaepernick's terms. After it did not happen on the NFL's terms, we are taking your best and worst of the weekend phone calls right now at 1-800-849-2761. No one will catch the Carolina Panthers in the worst of the weekend balloting, even though Wake Forest, Duke, NC State, UNC, and South Carolina, just to pick some in our neighborhood, got beaten and in some cases crushed on the college football gridiron. Louisville, Virginia Tech, App State, Georgia, Oklahoma, and others in college football were best of the weekend. Same with Todd Gurley and the Rams of the NFL, the Patriots and their defense going to Philly and taking out the Eagles in a low-scoring game. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. One quick update on the Stephen A. Smith-Eric Reed debate, if you didn't see that over the weekend, as we come to Stephen Apex and you at 1-800-849-2761. And by the way, whereas I've said all day and really for three years now, there are fair points to be made in favor of Colin Kaepernick and against Colin Kaepernick, and it would be fun to see more people who are open to the other side. One thing that the workouts did reinforce, even at NFL.com, which is, remember, sort of a semi-official branch of NFL headquarters, they certified that Colin Kaepernick is still good enough to play in the NFL. According to the professionals who were there evaluating him, the group that bothers me the most sometimes is the closed-minded group who just hates somebody and doesn't want to follow the evidence. When Steve Bishotti of the Ravens and other NFL owners say on the record, that Colin Kaepernick's good enough to play in this league. When Pete Carroll of the Seahawks and other coaches say Colin Kaepernick is good enough to play in this league, when his 2016 numbers even in a horrible year with the Niners were still middle of the road for quarterbacks in terms of quarterback rating and other numbers, you're really just making stuff up to make yourself feel better. If you dislike him for other reasons, well, that's just your opinion. But the idea that you're being honest while coming to somehow the conclusion that he can't play and this whole thing's ridiculous, when Colin Kaepernick's body of work in the eyes of the people who do this for a living, including his public performance on Saturday, suggests that, of course, he's good enough to be a backup quarterback in the NFL. You're not being open-minded if you're simply swallowing what the haters have to offer along the lines of, well, remember his numbers in 2016. You know what? There are... Folks who never won playoff games. There were starters in 2016 who have barely taken any snaps since that year who are still on NFL rosters at, as backups. If you don't understand that there are non-football reasons Colin Kaepernick is not employed in the NFL, you're not, you are being disingenuous yourself. The haters who claim to know 
that Colin Kaepernick is not capable of being even a backup quarterback, while virtually all of those speaking on the record are saying that he is good enough for that, whereas there's still, of course, a debate, do you want all that with your backup quarterback? If Eric Reed was not good enough to start for the Panthers and did not play well enough to, remember, get a raise and an extension for the Panthers, would he have been worth the risk that David Tepper took? If he was only going to be a backup safety and a special teams guy, would he have gotten that opportunity? No. Why? Because the risk-reward balance would have been out of whack. But David Tepper needed a higher-end safety. And even though Eric Reed knelt next to Colin Kaepernick and had a whole lot of owners afraid of him as a result, oh, will the season ticket holders cancel their season tickets? Will the sponsors bail on us? What will the public pushback be? What will the president of the United States tweet if we're the team that gives this guy or that guy a chance? There are a whole lot of owners acting out of that kind of fear. Jerry Jones even admitted that under oath. Eric Reed got a chance because he had a chance to be a starting safety, and he not only took that chance, he proved that he was worthy of the chance. Now he's in this back and forth with Stephen A. Smith. One way that you can tell who's being disingenuous and who's kind of speaking in good faith is separating out, separating out the nonsense and the angry stuff with the fair points. Most of us, the more emotional we are, the dumber we get. For example... Whether you agree with Eric Reed or Stephen A. Smith, who truly went at each other on social media this weekend, when Stephen A., and he had a, such a long tweet, he had to handle it the way you handle our daily bump music, Darren. What do you call that? There's so much info, you can't squeeze it into the tweet itself. Yeah, so it's not actually in the text of it's the like tweet. like a board. I just use a notepad application and write it all out there and just take a screenshot and post it That's that what way. that is? Yeah. A little whiteboard screenshot for yeah. our bump music of the yeah. day? Stephen A. Smith of ESPN had so much to stay in response to uh, Eric Reed that he did something kind of, sort of, but not exactly what you just described there. So he says unhelpful things like this. I think Stephen A. makes some fair points. But when you say things like, what, have, what has Eric Reed been doing? Complaining like he wants to be on first take. Now, that's funny. That's funny, but that's not getting us anywhere in terms of a thoughtful, reasonable debate, right? Complaining like he wants to be on first take. I thought that was a nice, funny jab in the ribs, but again, not getting us any closer to an intelligent solution. Where else is Eric Reed? Failing to stop the run on Sundays. <laughs> also not helpful. Yes, the Panthers got embarrassed by the Falcons, but that's more of a cheap shot, right, than advancing the debate. So more disingenuous to that point. And even this... What else have you been doing talking blank about the NFL at every turn while also asking for that paycheck? Also, not helpful, right? Like, the idea that Eric Reed has to either kowtow to the NFL while collecting the paycheck or being, being loud and critical of the NFL while out of the league, that, that those are his only two options, really a bad point by Stephen A. Smith. Again, unhelpful. These guys were so emotional – that that's like a back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back unhelpful cheap shot by Stephen A. Smith. Then he gets to the more intelligent part of his back and forth. He says, I am, he says, meanwhile, someone like you continues to throw professionalism, decorum, and decency into the wind, sending folks down a dead-end path, all because your boy isn't getting precisely his way. 
in a world where no one gets his way. So, and then he asks, so who's the sellout? Eric Reed had called Stephen A. Smith a sellout, and Eric and uh, Stephen A. Smith is not calling him a sellout in return. He concludes by saying, listen, neither of us is the sellout. We just have a difference of opinion. I still respect the hell out of your immature, belligerent self, but I'm going to call it like I see it. Kaepernick made a mistake the way he handled all of this if he really wants a job in the NFL, period. And your contribution, Eric Reed, to all of this doesn't help. It hurts. It ain't about you being wrong, Stephen A. writes. It's about you needing to grow the hell up. It's your decision, your life. Do you? The latter part of that from Stephen A. Smith, whatever you think, and I imagine most Americans would either take Eric Reed's side or Stephen A. Smith's side. The better points are when he took the cheap shots out of it. The better points are reminding everybody that in the real world, there is a risk and a reward to every approach to significant relationships. The more defiant you are, the more you look like the guy who wants to tell the NFL to take this job and shove it, the less likely you are to have one of these owners give the green light to signing you, Colin Kaepernick. That's just the reality. Whereas some of them will not sign you because they're afraid of the president, and that makes me want to throw up. Some of them will not sign you because they are of a generation where they and many of their friends simply will not allow a black man making a lot of money to complain about anything. And they won't even listen long enough so that Colin Kaepernick can say what he's said many times. I am not complaining about being oppressed personally. I am standing up for those who don't have big voices who are being oppressed as people of color. Now, if you, if you got earplugs in, especially as people of wealth and power, well, that's on you. But if you listened long enough, you know that Colin Kaepernick has repeatedly said that he doesn't feel oppressed personally. He is speaking up and standing up for others who look like him, who are living lives of oppression because of our government, because of this politician, because of that bad cop, whatever. You just have to be willing to listen to hear that. Stephen A. Smith got to the gist of the argument after the cheap shots at Eric Reed, and that is there is a cost to doing business when you're defiant, when you're disagreeable, and when you sound like a guy looking more for a fight than looking for a job. I don't have any complaints with Colin Kaepernick's point of view on bad cops or racial injustice or social injustice. I have a problem with some of what he communicates, and I've outlined that with the pig socks and the Fidel Castro and some other examples. And I think he has to remember that, like all of us in any kind of negotiations, the more you want to find an open-minded person to negotiate with, the more you have to try to be open-minded yourself. And Colin Kaepernick and his representatives went to Atlanta looking for a fight more than they were looking for a job. And that part, at least, is where I agree with Stephen A. Smith, and I disagree with Eric Reed. Stephen Apex, you're next on the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Dave, I hope one day, and this is all honest, the truth, God, truth, man. I hope one day I get to meet you because you just, when I listen to you, it's like you're speaking for me, <laughs> you know, and you are. You I'm are. trying you to channel my, my inner Stephen Apex at all times. <laughs> it, it, it is. Dave, 
you just a special guy. Uh, listen, on the, on the Panthers, on Kyle Allen, I, I, yes, I take him over Cam Newton, but in today's NFL, you got to be able to do more than one thing, just throw. you got to be able to scramble. He can't run. He almost, he has improved on that a little bit. What about uh, Teddy Bridgewater? You think there's a chance of getting him in free agency? We don't have to do something. Hey, keep in mind, like Teddy Bridgewater, while a very good pocket passer, is not at all a runner. He's not. So if you're – sort of, you know, picture of the future Panthers starting quarterback is a dual threat, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, not every top NFL QB fits that description. There's still a variety, right? Breeze and Brady and others do it mostly from the pocket. Lamar Jackson nowadays is the classic example of the dual threat. Russell Wilson is not as much of a dual threat as Lamar Jackson, obviously. Not as much of a pocket passer as Brady or Breeze, but he's a heck of a hybrid of those things, right? So there's not only one road to the top of the mountain, but if you want if you want that sort of dual threat, it can't be Teddy Bridgewater. Just look up his numbers. He I don't even know if he ran the ball much at Louisville. I don't think he did. He is a pocket passer. Kyle Allen is a pocket passer. Cam Newton's the dual threat, but I know you you're skeptical about his future in a Panthers uniform. I don't know where the answer is, man, because if you're down on Cam Newton, down on Kyle Allen, and you don't and you're not even sure about a Teddy Bridgewater who's, again, he's a pocket passer. That fits North Turner. At this point, though, we're not even sure Ron Rivera and North Turner are going to be around to determine who's on the quarterback depth chart. So we're, we're going to have to kind of punt this decision, Steve. I can tell you the other free agent quarterbacks. I mean, technically speaking, by the way, Phillip Rivers is a free agent at the end of the season. I mean, there are a handful of guys I could list that technically will be free to sign with any team, and Phillip Rivers – on Monday Night Football tonight is an example of that. The former NC State star, though, is expected to stay with the Chargers rather than truly opening up, um, you know, a, a full kind of negotiation with all, all other NFL teams. T- technically speaking, like Eli Manning of the Giants is a free agent. But I don't think there are a lot of names that both excite most of the fan base but are realistic to David Tepper and the Panthers' hierarchy. And until you cross the bridge where you know that your head coach is still going to be Ron Rivera and you know that your offensive coordinator is still going to be Norv Turner, I don't think you can even make intelligent decisions about the future of the Carolina Panthers at the quarterback position. What happened against Atlanta is the kind of thing that in a vacuum can make someone question whether they want to keep you as their coach. And again, David Tepper and Ron Rivera seem to have a great relationship. Losing at home. 29 to 3 to a team that only had two wins prior to that game, that can inch you closer toward the hot seat. And if you're David Tepper, think of the dominoes and the order in which they have to fall. You, of course, have a huge Cam Newton decision to take to make. You have a Ron Rivera decision to make. Now, you don't typically tell them which coordinators they have to keep or fire, et cetera, but that's either a Ron Rivera decision or the next head coach's decision. You can't know what you think of your quarterback depth chart until you decide what kind of offense you want to run. For now, the Panthers have to just kind of live on this week-to-week basis where they know the last number I saw was that the Panthers' chance of making the playoffs because of this home loss to the Falcons is down to roughly 2%, a 98% chance that they will miss the postseason again. Now, will that cost Ron Rivera his job? I don't know. But finishing, you know, 9-7 and seven and missing the playoffs – would feel a lot different than finishing 5-11 and 11 and missing the playoffs. And that's why some of these bigger decisions have to be on the back burner 
as the Panthers are in week-to-week mode and just trying to figure out a way to win in Week 12. 1-800-849-2761. What was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and why? If you're a college basketball fan, there was a Carolina Tar Heels win, a Duke Blue Devils win, the Wolfpack got another win, the Charlotte 49ers beat Wake Forest. At the college football level, in college hoops, by the way, Western Carolina scared Florida State this weekend. Like, there was good news almost everywhere you looked for the in-state Carolina teams. College football, not so much. I mean, if you're an App State Mountaineers fan, you are really right where you want to be. Perhaps a fourth straight Sun Belt championship. Perhaps, although you'll need help, a New Year's Six Bowl which would, of course, be the biggest bowl since that school jumped to the FBS level. Wake got whacked. Duke got demolished. NC State lost at home to Louisville. Carolina lost last Thursday up at Pittsburgh. And the Gamecocks got crushed by Texas A&M. 1-800-849-2761. Good news, meanwhile, back at the professional level for your Carolina Hurricanes and your Charlotte Hornets. More on those stories with more of your best and worst of the weekend phone calls next on the David Glenn Show. I would never be so competitive, so childish, that I would actually keep track of my record as a coach in youth soccer. I mean, that would be ridiculous. So when I think about my 78 wins, two losses, and four ties, (laughs) not that I was keeping track or anything. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. They'll give it to Washington. Graham goes back door. Graham puts up a three. Oh, it's good. It's good. And Charlotte takes the lead. 2.1 2.1 Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. That was actually Mike Breen on the call. The Hornets won this weekend. The Carolina Hurricanes won this weekend. Your worst of the weekend, Carolina Panthers, obviously went in a different direction entirely. Devontae Graham from Broughton High School in Raleigh, also the Kansas Jayhawks, has gone from a mostly unnoteworthy NBA player to one of the best players on the Charlotte Hornets. He had the game winner there at the Knicks, 29 points, 9 for 16 threes. So that was Mike Breen. It's not like that was a TNT game. That was Mike Breen on the MSG broadcast as the Hornets beat the Knicks. Friday night, it was Malik Monk with 19 off the bench as the Hornets won a couple this weekend. They're still only 6-7, and seven, but given the weekend the Panthers had, we'll take all the good news that we can get around here. The Carolina Hurricanes and the Hornets, by the way, Canes are about at the quarter pole. They have played 20 games in a regular season that goes a little bit more than 80. So as the Panthers were horrendous, the Hurricanes won, the Hornets won twice, and the details were fun in some cases. Not only Malik Monk and Devontae Graham, as we come back to your phone calls, Jim in Waynesville wants in on Colin Kaepernick. Billy in King, North Carolina, wants in on Kaepernick as well. Elijah in Sanford wants to cast a ballot elsewhere in the NFL for best or worst of the weekend. Again, Week 11 wraps up tonight with the Chiefs against the Chargers in Mexico City. Patrick Mahomes against Phillip Rivers, the quarterback matchup, certainly worth watching from that regard at the 20 game mark the quarter pole if you will the canes are 12 7 and 1 they have andre svechnikov playing well up front dougie hamilton playing superbly well offensively from their defensive line the marty party our recent guest jordan martinook came back against minnesota this weekend after i think it was 15 games that he missed with his core muscle surgery and injury it was eric stahl in the minnesota wild 
that were the losers on Saturday. Three-game winning streak for the Canes as they visit a resurgent Chicago Blackhawks team tomorrow night. Then they're home against the Philadelphia Flyers on Thursday. The Canes continue to look like a playoff-caliber team via the eyeball test, and they also have a playoff-caliber resume. If you're just counting points and drawing the line, Hornets would be below that line in the NBA. Panthers would be below that line in the NFL, not technically dead, but at 5-5 five and five in big, big trouble in a very competitive NFC. The Canes, the only one of those three in-state pro teams that would be above that playoff line as we speak, 1-800-849-2761. As we go to Jim in Waynesville, Darren, you know I love the little guy. I got a question from... Drew in Concord, North Carolina. DG, the first time you said we have 32 college football teams in North Carolina, I couldn't believe it. I actually looked it all up, only to find, of course, that you were right. My question to you is this. Out of those 32 college football teams here on November 18th, how many of those 32 are either already qualified for a bowl or already in the playoffs? Now, I think he knows the answer, and that's why he's testing me, Darren. But we all know the answer to the bowl. It's the Mountaineers at 9-1. and one. Not only – I mean, they know they're going to a bowl. They want it to be the biggest bowl possible. They want to host the Sun Belt title game again, right? So 9-1 and one App State, duh. They're not only bowl eligible, but chasing bigger things. The Deeks just got crushed by Clemson, so I know it's easy to forget, but they're still 7-3. and three. They still – I know they're hurt and ailing and embarrassed by 52-3 to at Death Valley, but theoretically, they could be the second Wake Forest football team ever to get to 10 wins. They'd have to win the last two of the regular season and then a bowl, but 7-3, and three, it's not like you have another Clemson you have to deal with. It's possible. Frankly, I'm rooting for it, but at seven wins, of course, the Deeks are already qualified for a bowl. So out of the 32 teams, the actual answer is two teams are bowl eligible and only two. And two teams have playoff bids, and only two. Those would both be at the D2 level. Darren, I don't know how much time you spent in the greater Charlotte area, but Wingate is basically right there in the Charlotte suburbs. They have a head coach named Joe Reich. All right, they're in the D2 playoffs. Joe Reich is the brother of former NFL QB Frank Reich. So the Bulldogs of Wingate are 10-1, and and they just got invited to the Division II playoffs. And the Bears of Lenore Rhine are ranked in the national top five or so in the polls at the D2 level. They, di- they have not lost. They're 11-0 as they accepted a bid to the Division II playoff bracket, which starts Saturday, both Wingate and Lenore Rhine in our backyard. One basically in Charlotte suburbs. The other's probably about an hour away. Lenore Rhine is probably about an hour away in Hickory, North Carolina. Do you know that part of our state well yet, Darren? I mean, you're the voice of High Point basketball. Yeah. Are you starting to learn little by little? I am. So I'm going to have to be in that area-ish for some Big South games with Gardner-Webb in that area and Boiling Springs. And uh, I'm about to get a lot more familiar with it, that's for sure. See, because of your time at Emory and Henry, which is what, a D3 school? Correct. If I said, you know, where's Guilford? Uh, oh, yeah. Right? You Members kn- of the Old Dominion Athletic Conference you with the Wasps you, of Emory and You would and know Henry. Guilford... <laughs> <laughs> you would, wait, I thought Guilford – oh, your team Guilford's was the, the Quakers. They're the Quakers, yeah. yeah. So you know they're based in Greensboro. Right? Oh, yeah. If I just went school by school, could you go 32 for 32? I'm not going to do this to you. No, I could not go 32 for 32. The, the funny thing is, half of them, the answer is in the name. 
if I said, where's Fayetteville State <laughs> University, and you can't say Fayetteville, I might, I might need a new producer. All right, that makes me feel right? better about my chances. Where's UNC Pembroke? Uh, okay. Pembroke, North Carolina, right there on I-95 near the South Carolina border. They're not all that way, Darren, so you might get tripped up somewhere along the way. But, yes, two bowl teams and two Division II playoff teams. I don't know if we'll have more to celebrate here in college football season, but those are at least some tasty treats for you to consider after the Panthers got drubbed, as did Wake and Duke with the Wolfpack and the Tar Heels also coming up short over the weekend that was. Not a great weekend for the North Carolina-based football teams other than the App State Mountaineers. Jim, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, uh, David. I just wanted to get in uh, a little bit on the Colin Kaepernick uh, controversy sure. from a different angle, and that is I was president of smaller corporations um, like Spartan and NASDAQ listed and looking at Kaepernick, and I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm a Steeler fan. I grew up poor Irish Catholic, so I'm a Notre Dame fan All as right. well. All right. San Francisco, you know, I don't, I don't care if he plays or doesn't. Right. But as a corporate executive, and each of those uh, owners were much more successful than I, and they have their own corporations, when you, when you assemble a team, that's going to compete on a high level when you're at the very pinnacle of your uh, uh, field. You do not want dissension, and you don't want agendas sitting in that staff meeting or leading uh, any part of the team, a director, a manager. They've all got to be pulling the same way, and you just don't have time or energy or a thought process that you can spare to anything else. So if I was... Uh, any of those owners, and I would bet that Kaepernick could physically start for Chicago because I do follow the Bears because they're funny to yeah, follow. I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it is almost beyond debate that Colin Kaepernick could play in the NFL. The, the more interesting question is what you're raising. And, it, and I don't know what specific industry you were in, but, for example, one of the better – one of the – I, I would bet it would be more complicated in your line of work. Let's say that I was a candidate – you know, you might not know the other companies for whom I worked while I was applying for a job at Jim and Waynesville's company, okay? In the NFL, you always have somebody you know who can vouch for somebody for better or for worse. Like, it's not like I worked for some company in Montana where you've never heard of the company and don't know anybody there. Well, Callan Kaepernick works for the San Francisco 49ers, and even if some of those executives are not the same anymore – they still exist. They're still alive. They probably still return your phone calls. And whereas you raise, it, to me, an absolutely fair question. Like, I don't want to live in a world where Colin Kaepernick is colluded against because he's a black man speaking out correctly and ac accurately about, you know, the mistreatment of blacks by some members of law enforcement or just the oppression of people of color more generally in the United States of America. Like, I... I I know that some owners would keep him out for some com combination of those reasons, but I don't have to like or respect that, and I certainly reserve the right to call it out as despicable. Your question is the interesting one because nobody has to apologize for wanting to keep the value of the team, uh, the goals of the team, as the highest priority, and it has to be a higher priority than any individual goals. And I believe what you find repeatedly about Colin Kaepernick in San Francisco, even as the team struggled, horrible year in 2016, 
And his numbers basically ended up in the middle of the NFL, QB rating and otherwise. But everything I've read from players and coaches on that team was that he was a team first guy. He did empty the effort bucket in practice. And that those who knew him best just took a silent, peaceful protest for what it was. And as long as he was showing up once the ball was snapped and as long as he was showing up for practice every day and as long as he was still teaching younger players in the locker room and, and in the film room, they were okay with his secondary agenda because they didn't see it superseding you know, his, his attempt to win a lot of football games with the 49ers. Now, they didn't win a lot of games. And again, he was only part of that problem. He was not good in 2016, just not as bad as some of his critics are suggesting. So I think the phone calls that you would get returned – would have mostly positive answers to your question about his attitude in San Francisco. Um, but that doesn't mean that you would be unfair if you were worried about whatever. Uh, I don't think you'd have to worry about locker room chemistry. P players overwhelmingly are in favor of Colin Kaepernick getting another chance. Many of them are men of color themselves, and they know far better than many naive white people how people of color are still treated in our country to a degree that most don't want to admit. So they identify with that part of Colin Kaepernick's journey, and they want him to get another chance. Now, whether you as the owner of the team want the media attention and the extra cameras and microphones in the locker room for a backup quarterback, that's your call. And I don't think you're a bad guy if you say that you don't want to sign up for that. But, uh, you know, David Tepper needed a safety. 31 owners were afraid of signing Eric Reed, and he said, I'm not afraid of anybody. I need a safety. I'm, I'm hiring Eric Reed, and that has turned out certainly more well than poorly for the Carolina Panthers, although the loss to the Falcons yesterday certainly didn't make anybody in a Carolina uniform look good. 1-800-849-2761. Steven is in Surf City, North Carolina, and next on the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, David. Uh, if they started spring training, him and Garoppolo, uh, you would think that he would have a good chance of winning the job come mm. opening day, right? You mean, I mean it, it, th uh, this past, past season? or? Yeah, yeah, this past season. Let's say he was magically back on 49ers at the beginning of this season, went through all of training camp. Mm. He, he, he would probably have a chance, I would think. He would have start. a chance. I might not be as high on <laughs> – I'm actually a defender of Kaepernick's playing ability. I'm not sure he would have beaten Jimmy Garoppolo for the 49ers job, but that's okay. I mean, it would have been an interesting competition, and we'd have to see how the rust bothered Kaepernick. But absolutely positively, Kaepernick was and remains good enough to be on an NFL depth chart and, and picking up, you know, what in most cases are seven-figure salaries. Yeah, and here's another thing is this is a young man coming out of college, been in the league for a little bit. He's about to get paid. You know, most of the people in his life, between his agent, his family, the hangers-on, most of those people were probably saying, hey, Cap, put your hand over your heart. Let's go get this money. Maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah, we'll, make, yeah. we'll make the statement. You know, probably most were saying, let's go get the money. He must believe in what he's saying. For a young man to give up a payday like that. Okay? There's, there's no I doubt about there's it. a lot of people that are influencing him in this way. But the reality is it's become a point of sale. It's a point of sale for shoes. It's a point of sale for political um, ideologies to get hung on his shoulders. And everybody just says, well, what if he would just go out there and do it? It would be all over. It would also be all over if you just didn't care, if you didn't pay attention to it. And I know people don't pay attention to it because right now there are players staying in the locker rooms and there's players kneeling on true, the sidelines and nobody's saying anything You're about right. it. So it if you want to take power away from it, 
stop talking about it. And I know it lights up your phone lines and it keeps the, you know, the clickers on and the whatever. Um, but if you stop talking about it, you take the power away from it on either side, you know? Yeah, it is interesting that even though the, the, roughly for a period of years now, the same number of people have been kneeling. And it went from this firestorm polarizing thing that just 99% of the people let fade away. I mean, there's this tiny number, well, a number that claimed they were going to boycott this or that forever. And, you know, 99% of them plus were lying. And now TV ratings are not only good, they're even better. Um, So, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, in, in our world, sometimes consumers will ask us in the media, you know, why do you guys bring this up? Well, people want to talk about it. People wanted to know my legal opinion of the waiver that they asked Colin Kaepernick to, to, to sign. Uh, I've elaborated on, you know, I have to be one of the few shows in the country that will call out Colin Kaepernick for inappropriate behavior, pig socks, Fidel Castro, etc., while undeniably and unapologetically defending him for being right about law enforcement issues, criminal justice issues, racial injustice issues. He's just right. The evidence is on his side. Now, it doesn't, you don't have to like how he protested or whatever, but the reality, I mean, and I've been a business owner for a long time. I used to get this back when I created accsports.com in 1994, and people would ask, well, why are you talking so much about this uh, controversial topic? The reality was we would put up, like, just a classic pre- uh, game preview, right? Like, you know, state against Carolina. Well, There were enough others online providing their own preview for State Carolina that that would get X number of clicks. And yet some sensitive topic where maybe I had expertise, maybe my maybe it was an NCAA compliance issue where I had expertise. And of course, people were all fired up because this fan base wanted to see this other school get hammered. And that fan base of that school thought that they were being unfairly accused or whatever. What what do you cover? What do you talk about? What do you write about? It's a combination of what you deem to be newsworthy and what you think people are interested in. And I'm telling you, anybody who hosts a show or runs a website based only on their definition of newsworthy can be in really, really big trouble if they think, well, these preview articles are really well written. But, uh, but no, not enough people are clicking on them, DG. Not enough people. There's too many other places to get that info. So at some point, you know, you don't bail on journalistic principles. It still has to be a valid topic, a newsworthy topic. And those who do their jobs well find people with voices of intellect and experience and thoughtfulness. And they write or talk about those issues in a way that enough people find compelling that you have a good business model behind it, right? So it wouldn't serve anybody well for us to say, hey, this Kaepernick stuff is just too too complicated you know it's just too divisive or whatever these issues are important I mean the guy got a seven-figure settlement because the NFL didn't want to see evidence in trial showing their collusion to keep him out of the NFL he got a he got a seven-figure settlement millions of dollars for being falsely kept out of the NFL for a two-year period and part of the sensitivity about his waiver in in uh, Atlanta on Saturday, some people have asked, well, if you won a collusion case, doesn't that mean you can never file another case again? No, it does not. He, he and Eric Reed won their seven-figure million-dollar grievances over collusion. It never went all the way to a verdict. The NFL chose to settle, and they chose to take those financial settlements. 
So we never got all the way through the evidence and the review and the, the verdict, if you will. But we went, we went far enough in that process that they got paid. But any new collusion could be the subject of a new grievance and a new payout. So they wanted Colin Kaepernick to sign something that had enough legal language too close to saying, well, any, I, I, I say that I'll basically never sue the NFL over anything directly or indirectly related to this work, workout. Now, I'm not, this is not word for word. But no, you can't sign something that that's broad. That, I mean, there's a, there's a boilerplate. If I get injured here, I'm not going to sue you for it right? I'm just doing this workout. I'm trying to get signed. And if I get hurt, it's on me, right? That's standard. Any language that suggests, wait, I can't sue the NFL ever for anything, for something directly or indirectly related to my time here. Whoa, 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 whoa. That sounds like someone trying to cover their own behinds so that they don't end up with another collusion case set, you know, for Colin Kaepernick at some point down the road. The guy's only 32 years old. And again, according to all the scouts who were there, he looked to be in very good shape. And by NFL backup standards, he looked to be absolutely positively capable of being ready to help an NFL team as a backup for sure, as a starter, who knows, but as a backup for sure, as soon as it would take to get him up and running in a new playbook with a new coordinator and with a new team. 1-800-849-2761. Last call for phone calls next on the David Glenn Show. Christian Leitner, thanks for joining us. It's been less than a week since the I Hate Christian Leitner 30 for 30. The final product of the movie was absolutely awesome. I love every second of it. Maybe I'm not seeing the same thing everyone else is seeing, but I thought the movie was awesome and I loved it. Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. One more college football team of note as we come back to the last call for phone calls. 1-800-849-2761. I mentioned the bowl teams, App State and Wake Forest. I mentioned the D2 playoff teams, Lenore, Ryan, and Wingate. They're not quite there yet. But one other team still worth following, North Carolina A&T. They host the Aggie Eagle Classic this Saturday. We're there with the Big Tailgate Tour. Tell us where you'll be at BigTailgateTour.com. We might show up with uh, cool gifts and cool people. North Carolina A&T is still in the running for a conference title and still in the running for the FCS playoffs. We can't count either of them as in the bag yet uh, because of – tiebreakers, et cetera, and they got to go and beat NC Central to secure that conference title and what would be a berth in the Celebration Bowl. They, If you don't win your conference in that league, of course, there is a chance that you can get an FCS playoff at large bid, uh, but that's for this coming Saturday and a little bit down the road. For now, we have only two playoff-bound teams and two bowl-eligible teams. The Aggies would be the next on that list, assuming they can beat NC Central, their rival Eagles on Saturday afternoon. Remember, there's a great chance that the Wolfpack against the Tar Heels a week from Saturday, which is our final regular season stop on the Big Tailgate Tour, if the Wolfpack beats Georgia Tech this Thursday night, and if the Tar Heels, as expected, beat Mercer of the FCS ranks on Saturday in Chapel Hill, they would both go into that regular season finale with five wins and six losses. So it would be the bowl bowl 
for lack of a better, better phrase, both want to make the postseason. It has been a nice stretch of postseason appearances for Dave Doran. They don't want that streak to end. Mac Brown, part two in Chapel Hill, has a great chance of getting off on the right foot. They're already recruiting well. They've already played mostly well against a very difficult schedule. But they do need to win out to get to the six wins required for bowl eligibility. It looks like, it, well, we know it will not be both the Wolfpack and the Tar Heels in the postseason. There's still a chance that it will be neither, remember, pending the outcomes this week before they play each other in that regular season finale. Don't forget, we do head to Charlotte with the Big Tailgate Tour to see Clemson against To Be Determined. Could be UVA, could be Virginia Tech. Hokies were brilliant this weekend, 45 to nothing their win at Georgia Tech. They've won five of their last six. Justin Fuente, remember, has gone from two and two and trying to explain how they lost 45 to 10 at home to Duke. Two and two with that on your resume to winning five of your last six, the only loss being by one point at Notre Dame. They have pit this week and at UVA. So they can still continue to win. Maybe it's the Hokies against Clemson. UVA and Pitt, of course, would love to be there instead. Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch next. If my low and away curve that barely paints the black so frequently that nobody can hit it, you're going to tell me I got to throw change-ups, fastballs, and sliders all the time? Oh, it's too difficult to hit TTG's <laughs> low and away curveball. Wah, 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 wah. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. Darren, did we thank all the listeners for signing their waiver forms today? Because it would have been really awkward if you and I had to travel an an hour outside of Raleigh just to do it a different way. (laughs) Thanks to all of them for signing their waivers. Anything directly or indirectly associated with today's edition of the David Glenn Show, you all have forfeited your rights to sue. (laughs) Hornets at Toronto tonight. They want to stay on their winning ways, the Charlotte Hornets. Kansas City against the Chargers. Patrick Mahomes, Phillip Rivers. To me, that is must-see TV as the NFL wraps up week number 11. College hoops of all kinds. Pitt hosting King Rice and Monmouth. UNCG against App State. Kentucky on national TV. Enjoy the games. We'll see you tomorrow on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.